from Swarthmore College. From Swarthmore College, this is... This is... This is... This is War News Radio. I mean, I, someone who studies conflict, it's the question of where you start the story is, is certainly an important one, and um, and I place a lot of um, a lot of importance on history. I'm Sophia Becker, and I'm Ethan Pintar, and that was Professor Emily Padden Rhodes on the conflict in Ethiopia. My name is Emily Padden Rhodes, and I am associate professor of political science at Swarthmore College. My kind of subfield of specialty is predominantly international relations, and I focus um, on conflict. I study civilian agency and international responses to conflict, um, and a good part of my research um, has taken place in in the region, principally in uh, the Democratic Republic of Congo, where I started doing research in 2008, and I've also um, done grounded research in South Sudan and Central African Republic. An important starting point is um, the 1970s in the context of the Ethiopian Civil War, because it's during the Ethiopian Civil War that we see the emergence of different resistance groups, um, one of which is um, the TPLF, which of course is a central actor, um, one of the two central actors in the current civil war. Professor David Shin agrees on the importance of the war in the 1970s on today's conflict. My name is David Shin. Uh, I am a, an adjunct professor at George Washington University, where I have been teaching for the last um, 20 years. But prior to that, I served for 37 years in the U.S. Foreign Service, primarily in Africa, a little bit in the Middle East. Um, my last overseas assignment was as ambassador to Ethiopia, and then I retired in, uh, in the year 2000. Well, there are some pretty deep roots to the conflict in Ethiopia that go back centuries. A lot of them have to do with uh, a combination of ethnicity. You have about 85 different ethnic groups in, uh, in Ethiopia, and a lot has to do with uh, the system of governance. Traditionally, governance in Ethiopia has been top-down. It has been generally authoritarian of various stripes. Uh, you had an imperial government for most of Ethiopian history, which was a benign, for the most part, a benign authoritarian kind of rule. Uh, then in 1974, the imperial regime was overthrown by a very left-wing uh, military regime. That regime was overthrown in 1991. And you had another regime come in to power, which decided to go a different route called ethnic federalism, uh, where they divided the country up into basically ethnic units, although these were not 
based purely on ethnic lines because, as I say, you had 85 ethnic groups and you you only had seven regions created along ethnic lines. So there obviously were areas where you had large numbers of different ethnic groups in one region. But when that was done, uh, Tigray was formed. Putting emphasis on ethnicity and governance led to ethnic tensions. The TPLF, uh, the Tigrayan People's Liberation Front, the Tigrayans, uh, which represent only 6% of the population of Ethiopia, had an enormous amount of uh, sway in terms of how the government was created. This created a fair amount of resentment, uh, not surprisingly. There were much larger ethnic groups, the Oromo, that uh, represent somewhere between 35 and 40% of the population, and the uh, the Amhara, who, rep- who are, have been sort of the traditional ruling group in Ethiopia, who represent oh, somewhere in the vicinity of 30, 30 plus percent of, um, of the population. Well, the tension came to a head in, um, in 2018, when effectively the Tigrayan component of the government was forced out and was replaced by the Abiy uh, Ahmed government. Now, Abiy Ahmed is, uh, is essentially an Oromo, uh, the largest uh, ethnic group in the country. And I think there was a lot of initial um, belief that uh, that would be a very positive development. And by having the largest ethnic group in charge, uh, things would be much smoother. Well, it, it didn't totally work out that way, in part because there are divisions among the Oromo. Tensions grew between Abiy Ahmed's mostly Oromo supporters and the recently deposed Tigrayans. Given present-day um, present day events, the catalyst of for the war, many would argue, sort of um, what what is the spark um, amidst those changes that actually brings um, brings things to a head is Tigrayans holding regional parliamentary elections in September 2020 um, when the Prime Minister had um, unilaterally declared that they would be postponed because of COVID. And so it was seen as, you know, an act of defiance against um, uh, against the government. There was the perception in Tigray that uh, the central government wanted to basically crush the TPLF and establish firm uh, central government control over Tigray region. Uh, that led in early November of 2020 to the attack on the Northern Command headquarters in Mekele, which happens to be the, the regional capital of Tigray and is a city which is very much a Tigrayan city. I think their main goal was to capture all of the equipment that was there, the heavy equipment, which the, the Tigrayan uh, militia did not have. They did that, and as a result, almost overnight, they uh, were able to build a fairly formidable force in Tigray region. Well, that led uh, immediately to efforts by the, the federal, the central government uh, to send forces into Tigray, and the civil war was off and running. What was expected to be a quick incident instead became a roller coaster of a conflict. 
what happened was a surprise, I think, to everyone, uh, that the Tigrayans were able to turn that situation around so quickly. Uh, I, I think it was probably a combination of hubris on the side of the central government where they got hockey. Uh, they uh, thought that the Tigrayans would be a pushover. So the pendulum swings from, you know, a military, um, from being sort of militarily in favor of um, the Ethiopian National Defense Forces and um, and the Eritrean Army to, uh, in November 2020, um, the TPLF and, and its allies having gained a lot of ground and being in an incredibly strong position. That is, re- that, that is reversed quite quickly. Um, in November 2020, um, uh, again, as we said before, as you said before, a conflict with some some serious twists and turns. Although a civil war, the conflict soon saw the involvement of another country, Eritrea. It's important, before talking specifically about the relationship between the TPLF and Eritrea, right, to remind ourselves that Eritrea only achieved independence, right, in the 1990s. And so there's a very long war of independence that is fought between Ethiopia and present-day Eritrea. So there is a history here of, you know, of animosity uh, and acrimony between Eritrea and Ethiopia, but certainly between uh, the TPLF and Eritrea, um, which, you know, most uh, scholars of, of, of of the region and particularly experts on the conflict would point to as being pretty significant in terms of Eritrea's willingness to work with the current government and with um, and with the prime minister to ally. The cost of the war in the past year has been nothing short of cataclysmic. The true human costs of this conflict um, are significant. They're huge. And they have been horribly underreported mm-hmm. um, and barely visible to the rest of the world. Of 500,000 deaths is uh, is made up of, of course, direct killings, killings of people. Uh, I mean, killings that are the direct result of the conflict and. Um, kind of targeting, etc., um, and that's roughly between the study found like 50 to 100,000 deaths. But the overwhelming majority of those deaths, those remaining 400,000 deaths, are what scholars refer to as the indirect effects of conflict, or the result of the indirect, the secondary effects of conflict, which civilians certainly don't experience as secondary. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 150,000 to 200,000 deaths from starvation. Um, is what this recent research reports, and over 100,000 additional deaths caused by um, lack of health care um, tied to the disruption of, of, of social services, health care services, in the context of the war. In the war last year, Ethiopia was the, um, uh, the least safe situation of armed conflict for humanitarian workers anywhere in the world. Um, it's a huge issue um, accessing, being able to reach vulnerable populations. You know, senior UN officials have been um, expelled from the country. 
uh, aid workers and journalists have been targeted by government forces. In the back and forth of the war, many in Tigray have fled their homes, becoming internally displaced in Ethiopia. There actually haven't been that many refugees. Uh, the definition of a refugee is someone who, of course, leaves the international borders of one country and crosses into another. They cut off, effectively, uh, the, um, the outlet to Sudan. And you had no further refugee flow into Sudan because the Tigrayans couldn't go there anyway. Uh, the only other uh, international border that Tigray has is with Eritrea. And Eritrea was a bitter enemy of the Tigray forces. So you certainly couldn't go into Eritrea. They also have a border with Afar region and uh, Amhara region, but this was this was also a hostile territory. So, and that's inside Ethiopia anyway. So it's, you would not be a refugee if you went to Afar or Amhara regions. You would be a, an IDP, an internally displaced person, uh, and there was no desire to go there. There are, on the other hand, a huge number of IDPs inside. Tigray region. Uh, Tigrayans who have been displaced within their own region. They're forced to relocate. Um, that is where we see um, often, you know, real issues of access to health care mm-hmm. and, um, and livelihood issues and, and, and certainly food security. A big question that still hasn't been answered is what either side wants out of the war. The goals of the Tigrayans and the goals of the central government, I think, are, are split. I don't think there is total unanimity in either camp as to what they want out of this. On the Tigrayan side, there are those who I think want state independence, an independent Tigray state. I have no idea what percent of the population that might constitute, but there is an element that wants that. There's another element that does not want that. It wants to remain part of a united Ethiopia, but probably with a fair amount of autonomy for the regions, all of the regions, including Tigray. And then you probably have sub-factions in that group that have different ideas on how much autonomy you have. And then if you look at the, uh, the central government in Addis Ababa, I think you have a faction that would like to eliminate the TPLF. It's much like the Eritreans want to eliminate it. Uh, the, uh, the parliament and uh, the central government parliament in Addis Ababa has declared the TPLF a terrorist organization. And I think those who support that point of view want to see the TPLF eliminated, full stop. They don't even want to negotiate with it. Uh, there are others who are more pragmatic, uh, who I think understand that you can't just wish away uh, a, an entire group if it has the support of the local people. The lack of information and the shutdown of journalists has left very little for the outside world to know about what is happening. A lot of big questions, a lot of uncertainty compounded by the fact that this war is distinctive in, in, in the lack of information um, because of access issues. I think if there's a misconception, um, it's really that the silence or the lack of reporting and the lack of 
policy discussion of this in sort of the public view in the West um, would suggest that it's not important or significant, which is not the case at all. The future of this conflict has important implications, not only for Ethiopia, but for the rest of the world as well. What happens here is consequential to regional politics, to regional security, and also argue global. And so this matters. We're War News Radio, a project of Swarthmore College. This episode was written and produced by Jace Flores, Ethan Pintar, Max Winnig, and Sophia Becker. You can find more reporting at warnewsradio.org. Look out for more from War News Radio wherever you get your podcasts.